Hey, sports fans, why don't you use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash? BetDSI.com. It's been in business for over 20 years, paying winners all the time. A-plus rated on sportsbook review sites, easy-to-use mobile playing interface, play and get paid. BetDSI offers odds on pretty much anything, all major sports, politics, reality shows, pretty much everything. So use promo code BUSINESS25, that's BUSINESS25, capital B. Get a $25 free wager just for registering. If you decide to deposit, you'll get a 200% bonus match on your money. I play there myself. Recommend BetDSI if you want to add a little excitement to the games you're watching. Once again, go to BetDSI and use promo code BUSINESS25. Get a free $25 wager on the house. 200% extra bonus when you deposit. That's BUSINESS25. Capital B, 2-5, to get your free wager and start winning today at BetDSI.com. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. You're going to hear from DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins as the NFL season starts He'll talk about the history of DraftKings, all the things that have happened, the merger, non-merger with FanDuel, what's ahead for DraftKings, including this billion-dollar promotion the week ahead. Let's hear about it. This is happening. It's February 6th, the last time we've had football, and now DraftKings is back. One-week fantasy football, and to celebrate, $100,000 contest this Sunday, totally free to enter. You draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That's right, $1 billion. Many ways to play. The best part is you draft a new team each week without any commitment. So to get to DraftKings.com now, use the promo code BRANT, my name, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T, play in DraftKings free with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. And if you draft the perfect lineup, which Jason Robbins will talk about here on the podcast, you can get a billion dollars. That's promo code Brandt. Play for your shot to win $1 billion this Sunday. The contest totally free to enter. Why wouldn't you try? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. I'd like to get sort of your background before we get to sort of what's going on now with DraftKings. What got you into daily fantasy? Where did you come from? into getting into this new business a few years ago? Uh, well, I had been uh, a corporate America middle manager for almost a decade, and I had always been a fantasy sports fan, but ironically, that wasn't really what got me into it. What really drove me to get into it was the desire to be an entrepreneur, and I started just networking with other people that I worked with and mm-hmm. met my two co-founders. and. Um, We tossed around ideas for what felt like years, and finally this one came up, and it just so happened it's a subject that I love. I do love fantasy sports, Um, and at first it was something that made me a little nervous because I thought maybe I'd be biased in ways when I was looking at the product, but I actually think it's really helped that I was a big fan of fantasy sports before starting it. So, you know, we messed around kind of just, you know, conversations at first and then set up shop and, like, co-founder Paul's spare bedroom in Watertown, Massachusetts, and did that nights and weekends, pretty much every night and every weekend, starting 7 a.m. and working through the night, and finally got to a point where we could raise some money, and then we left our jobs, and it's been a roller coaster ride since then. 
And what drove you? I mean, I assume you grew up a big sports fan, or was it more the sort of, like you said, sort of the venture, the capitalistic nature of it, where you could create something you saw a void in the marketplace? And in answering that, maybe talk about, you know, everyone knows season long, uh, but was was daily fantasy even, for lack of a better word, a thing when you were sort of developing this? So I, I was a, and still am a big sports fan. I was a big fantasy sports fan. And you're right, uh, season long's been around for a while. It's been around for decades. And I had been a avid player season long. I, I played, uh, embarrassed to admit that one, one year I was in over 100 leagues across a variety of different sports. So I, I was really into it. Um, and then, you know, when I first, after my co-founder, Matt, approached me with this idea, I was first started poking around and found you know, some of the other early daily fantasy sports sites, I was surprised that somebody who was as big a fan as me had never even heard of this before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty much tailor-made for, for, for me. Uh, and, and so that convinced me that we still, uh, you know, had an opportunity as a startup to come in and compete. And, um, you know, we were able to do that. We were able in just a few years to overtake the leadership position for the market. And that was the largest daily fantasy sports site out there, despite the fact that there were probably about 20 or so when, uh, when we first launched DraftKings. Yeah, and that segues to sort of how you became leadership and market share and, and what I called mind share. <laughs> Let's fast forward your background up to 2015 and the, the barrage of advertising in the marketplace, uh, where you and the other leading company, FanDuel, were all over the place, especially with NFL. Uh, obviously, that was a strategy, and you can, I don't want to put words in your mouth, a strategy to just, just get ahead of the marketplace, get market share right away, get in people's minds right away? I think so. I mean, you know, we're very data-driven. Um, we're an analytically-driven company, so... Um, we were looking at the data and seeing it was working. And as we scaled up, uh, you know, more of our operations, more of our marketing, everything just kept growing. So um, it was really just a you know, continual test and learning and just following where the data told us to go. And then also it's a very good capital environment for, for startups, especially startups mm-hmm. that were in later stages of financing towards 2014, 2015. So we took advantage of that as well. We were able to raise a lot of capital. And some of that capital raising came from the leagues. So in your discussions with Major League Baseball or with hockey or with NFL, I know not the NFL doesn't have an equity, but some owners do. Um, I got to ask, were there concerns about the gambling part of this? And we'll get to that uh, legislatively in a minute. But when you had these discussions with investment, not only from sports leagues, but from sports media networks, did those those concerns come up? Um, so, you know, fantasy sports has been around for a while, and I think it's generally been accepted. And um, there's even been court cases that have classified as a game of skill. So it was a question that came up. Um, you know, how, how skill-based is what you're doing versus the traditional season-long game? And, we were able to, through analysis and simulations and actual data, uh, demonstrate in a variety of different ways that the skill basis is at least equal to, uh, if not greater, than the season-long game. And that was pretty much what satisfied people. If fantasy sports had been earlier and hadn't been something that had already been accepted, I think it might have been an even bigger concern. But 
um, you know, they did do a lot of legal work. We certainly had, uh, you know, both internal and outside law firms at all the sports leagues and media companies that invested in us do legal work around this. And they came back with the same conclusions we did, that it's a skill-based game and that it fell uh, within the skill-based laws and, and states that we were operating in. And with those legal opinions and that stance you're taking, and, and I guess the league's taking as well, when it happened in 2015, the legal ramifications coming down, at least from the states, especially New York, which I know is your per capita highest state uh, in terms of activity, were you shocked? I mean, was this a blow? Was was the, the, the New York Attorney General's attack, if you will, on you you guys, something that just took you by storm, by a total surprise? Were you blindsided? It seemed like this was just uh, a sort of a, a, a hitch in the road in where you were going that maybe you didn't anticipate. No, I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, in retrospect, as always, in hindsight, everything is obvious. But um, I think that, you know, at the time, in part because of what we had just discussed, there had been so much legal work done around the business by our lawyers, by league lawyers, by media company lawyers, by venture capital and private equity lawyers, and all had come back with the same conclusion that we are quite surprised to see someone challenging that the game was not skill-based and doing so without really giving us an opportunity to present the information and data that we had that we thought demonstrated that it was. Um, you know, in retrospect, I think, there's a lot of reasons uh, why things occur, and we did a lot of advertising and caught a lot of attention, and I had had this sort of more, I think, simple view of politics and government, which um, maybe maybe naive view at the time, <laughs> that, right. uh, you know, you would always get a chance to kind of present your case, and that that case we felt was strong, but, um, you know, that's not always how it works out, and Sometimes others make determinations and you don't get a chance to do that. And there's a lot of different reasons behind why those things occur, including priorities and other factors. And, um, you know, I think that was the big lesson learned for us. And I've certainly gotten a crash course in government affairs and politics in the last couple of years. I feel like I'm a, yeah. you know, a veteran at this point, even though I knew very little about it only two short years ago. Yeah, and, and as I was talking to lawyers about you guys during that whole process, I think the the thing that struck me is that what you just said is that we're learning, we're essentially a startup, and uh, I don't even know, you know, what kind of uh, legal in-house counsel you had at that time, but it seems like this was something that just sort of rapidly advanced all those decisions. Yeah, you know, I think what happened was that we were engaged in, in a competitive battle and the market was growing very quickly and we were trying to assert leadership, which ultimately we were able to. And um, I think that that caused an acceleration of attention on the industry much, much faster than it would have otherwise occurred if things kind of grew normally and organically. It almost pulled some of that growth ahead. And I think that, and, you know, a lot of times when that happens, um, you know, as a startup, your 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 other parts of your operation haven't quite caught up yet. So we had to we had to right. grow up quickly, and we did. We had to very quickly institute compliance functions, legal functions, put lots of different KYC software and other things in place as regulations were passed rapidly, state to state. We had to implement all this very very quickly. 
Yeah, and then as you said, it, we sort of moved into this new stage from litigation to legislation. And I, I would think that had to be very pleasing to you, that we're moving to a less sort of antagonistic stance into a more, let's figure this thing out. And I guess what you can maybe answer for me is it just seemed like the regulation, the concern was always towards minors and towards any any uh, any leading down the path of compulsive gambling. And you guys were able to address that in certain ways. Yeah, it was really interesting because literally the day after the attorney generals uh, in New York sent us the cease and desist letter, I got multiple notes from people who were connected to the New York political scene saying, you know, word we're hearing is that, um, you know, New York wants you, New York wants a pathway for you. Um, that, you know, I said, I don't understand if that's the case. Why is this happening? And they said, well, you know, sometimes this is part of the process. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that that really stuck with me that, um, you know, this was part of the process and that it may not be the process that I anticipated following and it may not have been the process that we would have ideally drawn up if we could have, but this was the process and this is how our country and our state function. And, um, it, it ended up, you know, transitioning to regulation discussion and ultimately, uh, you know, in a variety of different places that was, that was passed by legislatures and, it was really interesting to watch it all unfold and to, to have a front row seat and to be a part of it. I learned a ton about how, how yeah. our system operates. I bet. And then we moved to 2016 and again, the settlement with New York. And the one thing we did note in 2016, a year ago compared to two years ago was the lack of the barrage of advertising that we saw the year before another concerted effort to sort of cut back on on the promotional part? Um, you know, 2016 was a year that we were very, very focused on, you know, compliance and uh, getting, you know, states to regulate uh, our company. And we did a little bit of advertising, but we, we felt it was a year that was better focused on sort of getting some of those other things in the right place. And Mm-hmm. This year, we're we're accelerating that. We're certainly not going to be advertising at the same level as 2015, but people probably already see more of our ads and will continue to do so. It's uh, definitely a, an uptick from last year. And before we get to the, the, the current, again, we have to bring up sort of the merger that was there, then it's not there <laughs> with FanDuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always seemed to me you guys were the market leaders, were flirting at, at different points but never really seemed to want to get in business together than you did. Then there was obviously some antitrust uh, inquiry, and now you're not. Uh, tell us what you can about those talks that led up to it and, the, and what broke it down in terms of merger with, uh, with FanDuel. Yeah, you know, I had personally wanted to do the merger for a few years. Um, and I had been even publicly in the last year or two before we, we did it, uh, been an advocate for it, um, which was not necessarily the case, I think on the FanDuel side. And so, you know, that was why I think it didn't, it didn't move along, but, um, I had been, been trying to get it done. And I think after, uh, everything that occurred in New York and you know, all of the sort of competitive, you know, things that happened in 2015 during NFL, Everyone took a step back um, and said, look, you know, this kind of makes sense. And 
there's a lot more that we can do for the customer if we pool resources versus beat each other up. Um, so, you know, we got it done. It took a while. It was negotiated with no investment banks, just completely board to board and CEO to CEO. And it was, a it was quite a complex uh, process, but we ended up getting it done. And, uh, unfortunately seven, eight months after that, the, the government decided that they wanted to block it. And, um, you know, it just kind of, after everything that kind of both companies had been through and with NFL season around the corner, uh, it just kind of made sense to part our separate ways on our end. Um, you know, we had been doing quite well. We had gained a lot of market share during that period. So, um, we were having already some shareholders that were a little ambivalent anyway. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, it kind of made the decision a little easier, but at that point, I think we were probably about 50, 40, 50% bigger than them at least. And, uh, in gaining. So, you know, it felt, we felt good about our prospects going forward. We were also back to growing again. We had, you know, seen kind of flat growth in, in late 2016 and that it really picked up. We grew 30% year over year last quarter, uh, in rising. So that, that also made us feel really good about where we were at. And this may be a self-serving question, but what do you see as your special sauce in terms of mark, you know, why you are gaining, why you have the leading market share versus not only FanDuel, but other daily fantasy companies? Um, you know, I think it always starts with the product. We have, a, I think it's the best product. We focused first on mobile before anyone else did. So even though we were not the first to launch a website, we were the first major company to launch a full featured mobile app. Um, and then after we did that on iOS, we were the first to launch it on Android too. Um, we really focused on product and technology early. We said the differentiator is going to be that plus great data, great analytics to help you optimize the product better and make the customer experience better. Um, in the last couple of years, we've gotten lots of awards for our mobile experience, which is where the vast majority of our traffic comes now. Um, and I think over time, people recognize that and we had stickier customers who favored us and and, and, mm -hmm. and spent more with us. Um, and then as that continued, we, we also were pretty aggressive in terms of fundraising and um, spending on marketing. Uh, and between those things, we were able to pull ahead. When the, the regulators looked into the, the merger with FanDuel, was there a number that they thought market share would be dominated that was just too wieldy? in terms of, you know, whether that was 80%, 90%, whatever that number was, is that what really focused their attention? I think so. I mean, I don't remember if there was like an exact number, but it was conceptually that their view of the market was daily fantasy sports, which I still passionately disagree with. I don't think that we just compete with daily fantasy sports at all. I think it's so nascent and everything's going to evolve so much that we're going to be competing with many other companies, but um, that was something that they disagreed with. They felt the market was daily fantasy sports, and they thought that the two companies would have too much of the daily fantasy sports market. What other th what other marketplaces do you feel you're competing with besides daily fantasy? Well, I think certainly other sorts of fantasy games, um, season-long mm -hmm. fantasy, uh, other types of gaming products, mobile games, um, you know, anything really. Uh, I find personally as a fantasy sports fan that I engage in all those things and they all compete for my wallet. I'm a gamer. Um, so mm -hmm. I think anything that's sort of a skill-based game in particular uh, is very attractive to our customer base. And if they're enjoying doing those things more, then I think they will do that. And do you see that in the gaming world, sort of the, the 
I know the gaming world's always looking, you know, what's new, what's next, what's going to attract the millennials, esports. And you see daily fantasy as, as sort of the, the next, next, next in gaming. I do. If you look at fantasy in general, there are so many kids playing the season long free versions mm-hmm. now. It's crazy. It's like incredibly popular and they're all, uh, I think very interested in learning more about DraftKings as they get older and are eligible to play. Um, you know, if you look at the millennial generation, they all engage with their phones nonstop. Our product is tailor built for that. Um, I do. I think that this is the most engaging product that has ever been created in terms of enhancing the sports experience. There's nothing like it. And with what mobile is enabled and other sorts of technological advances are enabled, the ability to reach the millennial customer and to engage and captivate the millennial customer, this game, I think, is, is going to be, if not um, you know, the leading charge, I think one of the, one of the big ones. Yeah, and that brings us, yeah, you talk about the, the kids. Yeah, my 15-year-old, I'm assistant GM for like six of his teams. <laughs> but that's, that's where they're going. And as we start the season here, Week one, the the NFL season opening. Talk about your new promotions going, uh, some of which are sponsoring this podcast. Yeah, so we have a huge promotion for week one of NFL on Sunday. Uh, contest locks at one. And the contest is it's free to enter, and if you get the perfect lineup, you can win a billion dollars. It's fully insured, so um, you know, don't worry. If someone does hit the perfect lineup, it'll get paid. And, you know, this is the first time we've done anything like this. We've guaranteed multi-million dollar prize pools before, but we've never done anything where anybody could win a billion dollars. So this will be pretty exciting. How is it? What is the perfect lineup? I don't understand. So if you pick the lineup, so the contest, no matter what, has 100,000 in guaranteed prizes and it's free to enter. So no matter what happens, that's getting paid out. It's guaranteed. But if somebody picks the perfect lineup, they get a billion. And what the perfect lineup means is that you pick at each position the best possible player under the salary cap restrictions that we have. Um, in other words, the lineup that scores the most points of any possible lineup that could have been picked on DraftKings that day. Um, which, you know, there should be millions of people entering this game. So um, not out of the realm of reason that somebody might get it. What if more than one gets it? They would split the prize. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a promotion for week one. And as I leave you, last question, sort of, you've touched on this, sort of the future of DraftKings as millennials, as everyone's looking for, you know, ways to capture that market. Um, I know you really may identify this is more than fantasy. Everybody's going for that. Everybody's going for the younger generation with their phones. So where do you see your future going? Where does DraftKings want to be in a year, two years, five years? Well, I think that we view our product, as I mentioned, as the number one engagement tool that's ever been created for sports, and we want to expand on that. We want to create an experience that's soup to nuts, just incredibly engaging, um, and you know, really makes us the all-things destination for the sports fan. And we don't need to do that entirely through organic development. We'll do it through partnerships and um, potentially even through some M&A. Uh, but we'd like to really be the place that, that the sports fan kind of views as all things uh, that they want to engage. Um, in a particular type of sports fan, we call them the skin-in-the-game sports fan, the fan that wants to play games alongside what they're doing and wants to interact. 
uh, and not just be a passive experience or game. Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings. Very interesting. Thanks for being a guest on the Business of Sports. Thank you for having me. You know, people are always asking me for advice on football. You got Patriots, Steelers, Packers. You got Chicago, Detroit. Well, let me tell you this. When you're betting, it's just important as who you're betting on is who you're betting with. So go to mybookie.ag. They've been in business for years. Their reputation is rock solid, 100% cash bonuses. So you're making money for doing nothing. They have the fastest payouts, two business days. Again, I would only recommend a service that I know is rock solid reputation. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie.ag. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. All new mobile site makes wagering on the go a breeze. So join. MyBookie will match your deposit to 100% bonus. Use promo code BUSINESS, lowercase b-u-s-i-n-e-s-s, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Really interesting edition with Jason Robbins, CEO of DraftKings as the NFL gets underway. Listen to all my podcasts at rostucker.com, at iTunes, Stitcher, tune in wherever you hear your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, and I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.